Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be continuing our series on worship. And in the last few episodes, we've been talking about worship biblically. What does that look like in the Old and New Testament? And in this episode, we're going to be talking about how should we worship in light of what we've seen throughout the entirety of the Old and New Testament. What are some practical steps for us in implementing worship in our small groups and our churches and things like that? And so hopefully this will be a lot of uh, practical info, and I'm really excited to jump into this content. And so first, when we're thinking about practically, what does worship look like? There there are a couple different things that I want to point out. Um, And the first is we have to keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main point of worship? When we gather together in a church setting, what is the reason we worship? Because that reason is going to dictate what kind of songs we sing, the style of worship, all sorts of things. And so we have to always remember what is the main thing. And biblically, we see that the main point of worship is to glorify God. That is what worship is about. If we are worshiping God, then the idea, the main point of worship should be to glorify him. And so I want to break this down into three different areas. First, if we're going to glorify God, the worship should be Christ-centered. So the worship, the songs that we sing, should be focused around the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, specifically in the gospel. The fact that he came down, he left the glory of heaven for a time to live as a human, just like one of us, to die in our place and to rise from the dead and to ascend back to the right hand of the Father, and that we have been saved through his sacrifice, not by any work that we have done, but because of what he has done. So worship should be Christ-centered. And I'll be honest, when I think about my favorite worship songs, uh, I think of ones that specifically speak about Christ and his glory and what he's done in the gospel. Because I think a lot of our worship songs today are very self-focused. And that's not always a bad thing. In the Psalms, there's a lot of songs where David is crying out to the Lord about his issues and what he needs the Lord to save him from. And so I don't think that's always a bad thing. And yet what really stirs my heart up, uh, stirs my heart up and what makes me excited during worship is songs that are Christ-centered and gospel-focused. And so I think of songs like Living Hope or Man of Sorrows or Hymn of Heaven, like all these different songs that are focused on the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us um, in Christ alone. Come behold the wondrous mystery. Like there are so many awesome songs like this. And really, I, I feel like we should be singing more of these songs in churches. There's a lot of songs that sort of have this idea of, hey, we've come to worship you. We're going to we're gonna give you worship and stuff like that. I'm not speaking of any particular songs, but a lot of songs have that vibe of like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I, I honestly would rather focus on what Christ has already done instead of focusing on me. Like that just, that makes my heart excited. It makes my heart glad when I focus on Christ. And not that my heart's desires or gladness is the focus of worship. But I think when we are putting Christ in his proper place, then we begin to feel, we begin to find fulfillment. We begin to feel satisfied when we are glorifying Christ. And so number one, worship should be Christ-centered. The second thing is that worship should be theologically accurate. Put simply, worship should be truthful. The lyrics we sing should be truthful. As we said in John 4.24, Jesus says that God's people should worship him in spirit and in truth. Those are the sort of worshipers that the Father is looking for. And so when we worship God, the things we are saying should be true. And so this sort of 
gives us or it puts the responsibility on us to look at the songs we're singing and make sure that what they're saying is theologically accurate. Now, when I say that, a lot of people don't like that idea because if we're constantly analyzing songs while we're singing them, some people think that takes the joy out of songs. It's like, oh, we're always analyzing to see if it's correct. And sometimes we might find that's not correct. And then we can't sing one of my favorite songs. I don't want to do that. Like that's sort of the feeling that happens with a lot of people. But the truth is like if we want worship to be as satisfying as it should be, if we want to be as glorifying to Christ as it should be, the songs we are singing need to be true. They need to be theologically accurate. And so there's a lot of songs that are sort of iffy. There are very few worship songs I hear in church that are just straight up heretical that say things that are anti-gospel, anti-Christ, or anything like that. Um, but there are songs that are iffy. There are songs that are sort of on the edge as far as whether whether they're correct or not. And so we always have to think, like, is this song accurate? Does this song conform to Scripture? And so a great and easy way of testing that is take the song line by line and think, does this match up with Scripture? Like, this first line of the song, can I find a biblical basis for what it is saying? Does it affirm what the Bible says or does it contradict what the Bible says? And then we can do that with each line, but then also looking at the song as a whole, does this song reflect the the focuses of the Bible? Does it, is this song true to what the main purpose of the Bible is? And so we have to make sure we're singing songs that are theologically accurate. And so since worship is supposed to glorify Christ, as we said, the first thing is it needs to be Christ-centered. Second, it needs to be theologically accurate. And number three, I think it should be beautiful. And now this is going to come as a surprise. This sounds like it has nothing to do with the other ones, but think of it. If the God we serve is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate perfection, like if he is perfect, if he is far beyond any other thing, far more good, far more holy than any other thing, then I think the songs we sing and the, the musical arrangement should reflect that. And so I think we should sing songs in church that are beautiful, both lyrically and musically. I think we should have songs that are well-written. We shouldn't just have these, you know, silly little songs that are, you know, that don't have a lot of thought put into them. I mean, honestly, a lot of the worship songs that come out today, not all of them, but a lot of them could be easily written by chat GPT. It's just like the same combinations of words you hear in every worship song. It's not super coherent and it's just very shallow. So I think we should sing songs that are lyrically beautiful, like there is some thought put into crafting these lyrics. And also songs that are musically beautiful. A lot of worship tends to be uh, very basic as far as musicality. Like it, it may be a very basic chord progression, like there are tons of worship songs that have the exact same chord progression. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, like it's good to have some easy songs to play. But we should always strive to have music that is beautiful. If God is beautiful, the, worship, the music we use to worship him should be beautiful as well, in my opinion. But above all, we need to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is to glorify Christ. When we are worshiping, we should come knowing we are approaching a holy God and that we are coming to glorify him and not to, ed- not to, not to build up ourselves exclusively. Now, that being said, worship should edify believers. That shouldn't be the main goal, but it should be at least a secondary focus. And so that's what I want to look at next, how worship should build up believers. 
When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we see this emphasis on building up the people in the church. When the church comes together, the things that are done should edify the other believers. And this specific passage is talking about prophecy and speaking in tongues. And it's saying that it should all be done to build up believers. And I think this applies to the worship songs we sing as well. Because it can be easy to sing worship songs that we like. Maybe as worship leaders, we'll select songs that we like that speak to us, but we may not think of the congregation first. And so we always have to keep in mind glorifying Christ first of all, but then what is beneficial to the believers second. And so there are three things I want to point out here. Number one is the songs need to be understandable. It needs to be something that can be grasped by the congregation. There are a lot of songs out there that have very old language. Like if you think of old hymns. There's going to be some confusing things. Like if you think of the song, Come Thou Fount, there's a line that says, here I raise my Ebenezer. What does that mean? Like most, most people, even that are worship leaders, don't even know what that, what that line means. And I'm not saying you can't sing that song, but we should always think about that. Are there lyrics that need to change? Are there things that need to be cut out because they're not understandable? Because how can you sing and worship God if you don't even understand what's being sung? And so we should always have a mind to thinking of what is understandable to the congregation. Secondly, the songs should be singable. What I notice about a lot of modern worship is there's this tendency to sing it in as high a key as is physically possible for the singer. And that's great if you have an awesome voice like some of these worship leaders that can really hit the high notes. Um, but most males aren't going to be able to sing that high in the congregation. Like if you're singing something in a male key and you're singing it really high, the dudes in the congregation are going to have a hard time singing it. And likewise, you know, for females as well. And so there should always be, I'm not saying you have to make it in a key that's not as good for you, but you should always have a thought of what is easiest for the congregation to sing. What is like a good middle ground where it still sounds good, but it's in a key that's singable for the congregation. And that goes for a melody as well. Some songs just have melodies that are too complex to sing in worship. They're more artsy, more indie-style worship songs. And those are great for singing in a personal time of worship. But when we come together, it should be songs that are singable, that are easy easy to sing for the congregation. So to build up believers, songs should be understandable. They should be singable. And I also think there should be diversity in the types of songs we sing because we have to realize when we're leading worship for a congregation, there are all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different comfort levels with different styles of music. And so I believe that we should try to reach all sorts of different people. Now, that doesn't mean we have to try to please everyone. You're not going to. And in trying to please one group, you're going to end up unintentionally offending another group. And so you have to keep it in balance, but I think it's super beneficial to diversify the types of songs, the types of music you use. And so one example of this is, should we sing hymns or contemporary music? A lot of older generations, and this isn't complete, this isn't true for everyone, but a lot of older people will prefer hymns, whereas younger people will prefer contemporary. Obviously there are exceptions. I've seen a lot of old people worshiping to contemporary music. But that seems to be the, the gen- excuse me, that seems to be the general divide. And so I think there's a way to meet in the middle. There's a lot of 
beautiful modern renderings of old hymns, old traditional hymns. And there are also contemporary songs that can be toned down to have more of a hymn-like vibe. And so I think there can be this balance between having hymns and contemporary. So I would say use them both. Like you don't have to exclusively do one or the other, because if you only do hymns, that might alienate some younger folks. Whereas if you only do contemporary, old people may not be as big a fan of that. And so I think we can balance things like that. Another thing that we need to think about is what is the, what is the sort of the vibe of the band? Like, is it this big band sound like a lot of modern mega churches or do we want more of a traditional toned down vibe? Now, I'll be honest, my my favorite one is more of a toned down vibe. Like I like having an acoustic guitar, a piano, maybe some light drums, uh, but nothing too crazy. Whereas a lot of people like going to church and it feeling like a rock concert. Like I think there's a way we can have a middle ground. I think there's a time for big band concert kind of style worship nights. And I think there's a time for more traditional, more reverent worship. And that sort of brings me to my next um, next comparison. You can have reverent worship or excited worship. You'll see at some worship groups, there's very much this reverence. Like there's this honor of who God is, of his sovereignty, of his holiness. But then there's some worship that's exciting. And you could almost compare it to David dancing in front of the Ark of the Covenant when it was brought into um, in front of his presence. And so... I think that we can have balance again between those two. Yes, there is time for reverent worship and there is time for excited worship. Like the Bible speaks of both of those. And if we worship, as Hebrew says, a God who is a consuming fire, there are times when we need to be reverent. But also, since we're worshiping a God who loves us and has given us so many great things, we should also sing excitedly to him. And so I think we can have balance there. And the... The next part, probably the final part I want to talk about as far as how we can balance different styles of worship is different cultural expressions that may be that may pertain to different ethnic groups. Now, obviously, we don't want to sort of stereotype and say each ethnic group listens to a different type of worship, but there are different cultural groups that do prefer one style of worship to another. And I think in America, one of the main ways we see this is the difference between contemporary music and gospel music. So there's a very different style that you see in between churches, especially predominantly white churches that will sing contemporary music, and then predominantly black churches that will sing gospel music. There's a difference in style, a different in what sort of songs they're singing. And so I think we can also blend both of those together. It's sort of sad. A lot of people say that Sunday is the most segregated time of the week. And I think that's partly due just to cultural differences, partly just due to you you have established churches that have been meeting for a long time and people in those communities continue to meet with others in their community. But I think one way we can bridge the gap is through introducing different types of worship music. That's why I'm a big fan of certain worship groups that are incorporating more gospel into their normally contemporary worship. I think a great example of this is the Worship Initiative, like you listen to their music and it's a good blend of worship, more of a contemporary style and more of a gospel style. And so I think there's room for both of those. Now, I will say from a musical standpoint, I like gospel a lot better. Like there's just a lot more going on as far as the chords being played. I mean, there's key changes, there's diminished or augmented chords sometimes. Like there's a lot more going on. I think it's a lot musically, it's a 
higher quality genre. But then I think there's also room for both of those. And so I think that it's a good way to, if we balance gospel and contemporary worship and traditional hymns, I think that's a good blend for modern worship environments so that we can make sure we're reaching all sorts of people. Now, another one, and this may be sort of controversial, but there are some people who try to incorporate hip hop into worship. And so we have to ask is, is this cool? Like, is this a biblical thing to do? Well, the truth is there's no, there's no style of worship that is more biblical or less biblical than any others. And so it ends up being a matter of preference. And again, we have to go back to those questions. Does it glorify God and does it edify believers? And I would say done in the proper context, hip hop during a worship experience can edify believers. Now, if we think of how much theological content can be contained in a single song, you have sort of modern repetitive worship songs that don't have a whole lot of room for theological content. And then you have old hymns, which are wordier and they can fit more theological content into one song. But hip hop, on the other hand, has the ability to fit far more lyrics than either of those other two genres combined. Like you can fit a lot more theology into a hip hop song. And so I think that um, it's a good vehicle for conveying theological truth. But it's also going to be a lot harder for the congregation to follow along with. Like most of them aren't going to have all the words to a hip hop song memorized if they're coming to worship service and it's just faster and it's going to be hard for them to follow along. And so I think hip hop can be incorporated in different ways. Like if you have, you know, maybe part of a song is wrapped during a worship service or something like that, but not the whole worship service as rap that just wouldn't fit. It wouldn't work for the congregation, but I think there are ways that we can incorporate it into that and be glorifying to God and edifying people. And so that's sort of an overview of what I think as far as how can we how can we keep the main thing the main thing, focus on Jesus Christ, and how can we continue to edify believers. And so I want to sort of ask a question in light of all that. What songs should we sing in church? Like if we're a worship leader, what song should we pick? If we're, you know, not a worship leader, what song should we be putting on our playlist that we listen to and sing along to throughout the week? And I would say, first of all, it's very important to remember that we sing our theology. We sing our theology. What this means is, you know, you can listen to a sermon and you probably won't remember much of that sermon a week later. Like how many of you can remember the song or the sermon that was spoken at your church last week? It's probably, there's probably maybe one thing that stands out to you, but probably not a whole lot. Whereas the songs we sing, like those are on repeat in our head. We continue to remember those. And so I think it's good to think about that. Like if we are singing a song, it's going to work its way into our head and affect the way we think. And so we should always pick songs that are true, songs that have value and that aren't teaching us heretical doctrine. And so I would say the songs we pick should be ones that are theologically true and theologically God-focused. And also we want to ensure we're picking songs that have maximum value. It can be easy to pick just songs we like and songs that we find enjoyable, and we should do that. But we should also remember, like, some songs are going to be more valuable than others. Some songs have a greater, if you will, return on investment. If you spend four four minutes singing a worship song, there's a lot more benefit to singing a worship song that has a lot of theology in it, as opposed to a worship song that's very repetitive and stuff. However, I will say there are some some songs that are just very repetitive that 
take you to theologically deep place. And I feel like there is sometimes a, a need for songs like that. Like I think of songs like Agnes Day, where it says, holy, holy, are you Lord God almighty? Like it, it's this it, very repetitive song that focuses on Jesus. But I think it's a very great song, even though it's short and repetitive, because it brings us to this place of honoring the Lord. And so that's what I would say. We should always be conscious of the songs we're picking and make sure we're picking songs that are the most edifying. And so this is a shorter episode. I hope you enjoyed it. hope you found some good stuff in it. The next episode, we're finally going to be addressing the controversial question of can we sing and listen to songs by Bethel, Elevation, Maverick City, all that fun stuff. So hope you stay tuned for the next episode, and I'll see you there. Peace.